It's Saturday, December 16, 2017. Welcome back to the Ion College Basketball Podcast. I got Matt Norlander here with me, and this is the third of three podcasts we're going to do this week. So if you haven't subscribed yet, uh, we got three more coming next week. Go ahead and subscribe, uh, rate it favorably, continue to write great comments, please. You guys have uh, actually been tremendous about that. We appreciate it. Our bosses appreciate it. So we encourage you to keep doing it. And it's been a pretty interesting Saturday in college basketball. It's mostly in the books now, still ongoing, but already interesting. We're recording this around 7.40 p.m. Eastern, and already today we've watched number three, Wichita State, lose a home game to unranked Oklahoma. Number 15, Seton Hall, lose a a road game at unranked Rutgers. Watch number 18, Notre Dame, lose to unranked Indiana and a wild finish that Norlander witnessed, and we we will get into that a little bit later on. Uh, Number 19, Florida State, lost to unranked Oklahoma State. Number 22, Florida, lost on a neutral court to unranked Clemson. Added up. Five different AP Top 25 teams have lost today to unranked teams so far. We're going to get to most of them, if not all of them, but I want to start with Oklahoma's 91-83 upset of Wichita State. Huge win for the Sooners. Uh, Big game for Trey Young. Uh, Freshman guard got 29 points, 10 assists. Now, he took a lot of shots to get those 29 points, but whatever. 29 points in the college games, 29 points in the college game. Here's my question, Norlander, and I recognize you were in Indianapolis at games, probably unable to see what happened, but just the result. Oklahoma... 91-83 91-83 win at Wichita State, a game that they control basically from start to finish. Just the result. Does it tell you more about Wichita State, tell you more about Oklahoma? It tells me more about Oklahoma. But can we get a shout-out to my over-under of 29.5 points and how that looked like it was way off after the first half but actually ended up being the exact number that I should have thrown out there on the previous podcast? Yeah, no. I was. I got it. I couldn't believe it. I thought you were going to be so right on that. Um, Trey Young was really good. Uh, Oklahoma? I, to me, I understand why you might say it's a little bit more about Wichita State because, GP, I did not see this game because I was at the Bankers Life Fieldhouse for the Crossroads Classic. But was this a true roadie at Wichita State or did they play it in the arena downtown there where they hold the tournament yeah, games? Yeah, like it was not at Coke Arena. It was downtown Wichita. Okay. But it's still technically a, a home game. It's just not in Coke Arena. Yeah, yeah. I, I would say that there is a, there is a discernible difference between the two venues, sure. absolutely. But that is, you know, uh, it, it's still, you know, that's that's right in Wichita State's backyard. Um, I was just curious about that because, I, yeah, I wasn't entirely sure. Uh, Oklahoma is a good team, and GP, it's about damn time you put them in the, in the rankings. I think they are worthy right now of a top 20 ranking. I don't know how much you've already started thinking about that because we can talk about Trey Young all you'd like. That's fine. But the offense, I saw it in Portland. It's been on display plenty since uh, with, a, with their win uh, against USC. Uh, was in similar fashion, not technically at USC's home arena, but right there in L.A. And the only loss is, is to Arkansas at this point. And with the way that they are playing and, and how they are playing, what's interesting here, and it's, it's not what I thought it was, it was how it was going to be, I guess is the best way to say this. When Buddy Heald was playing for Oklahoma, the Sooners, similar to now, were a very fun team to watch because of how good they were on offense. But the ironic part about this team is they are very good from two-point range. From three-point range, they're merely average right now. And yet we think of Trey Young as this 26-foot heaven dude that's averaging nearly 30 points a game. Well, yeah, and his efficiency can be a little bit up and down. He's an awesome player. To me, he is absolutely by far the freshman of the year favorite right now. 
But this team is not winning because it is killing you from three-point range the way that the Buddy Heald team did. Now, against Wichita State, they were they were fairly reliable from what I gather because um, it wasn't just Trey, even though he had a really hot hot first half. Brady Manick apparently was tremendous from deep uh, against the Sooners, uh, I mean against the Shockers. So I think it's more about Oklahoma, and it speaks to the, the strength of the Big 12. The Sooners are going to be in the tournament with ease, uh, I still very much believe in Wichita State. This was an a, a, I don't know if it was aberrational with how much they allowed Oklahoma to score or not because they've had some some iffy defense here and there. But I still think at, the, at when we get to the end of the season, Wichita State is going to be in that three seed, two seed discussion and will be uh, a viable uh, threat to make the Final Four. So for me, more about the Sooners. What about you? Yeah, I don't disagree, but I could make it about Wichita State. Uh, to your point about Oklahoma in the top twenty-five and one, yeah, they'll be in there in the morning. If the question is, why haven't I had them in there yet? I guess I would answer it this way. Before today, their best win was a win over a USC team that's 5-3. and three, Not great. Um, and missing a key player because of the FBI investigation. Uh, the second best win was over an Oregon team that's, that's not very good. And they had a loss to an Arkansas team that didn't look like a bad loss at the time. And it's probably not a bad loss. But then Arkansas subsequently went out and lost... 91-65 to Houston. So when you looked at the resume, uh, you had a win over a team that I don't have ranked anymore and a loss to a team I don't have ranked. They didn't necessarily have to be in there. But uh, obviously, you go win at Wichita State, uh, the, the metrics improve. I think they went from 27th in Ken Palm to 21st in Ken Palm now. Uh, yes, they'll be ranked in the top 25 and one tomorrow morning. They will be in the top 20, I'm pretty sure, uh, tomorrow morning. Um, you touched on something about Wichita that is a bit of a trend in this season. Uh, they are letting people score points on them in a way that, that is not, uh, is not normal. You know, in the past four seasons, what's wild is that in the past four seasons, they've had a top 15 defense in, in terms of defensive efficiency, each of the four years in the previous season, that was 2013. They didn't. That's the year they went to the Final Four. I think some of that can maybe be chalked up to they were they were missing key players throughout that season. If you remember uh, the reason they kind of snuck into the Final Four, they were banged up through conference play, and they took a, a, more losses than they usually do. But either way, here's the point. Past four seasons, they've had a top 15 defensive efficiency rating each, each and every year. Uh, right now, they don't. And right now, this is all true. Cal scored 47 points on them in a half one game. Notre Dame scored 44 and a half on them. South Dakota State scored 50 and a half on them. And Oklahoma just scored 54 earlier today and a half on them. I mean, I don't know how that compares to recent years, but I bet you um, this is extreme for a Greg Marshall coach team. I bet you he's really frustrated. I think, um, I think Marcus McDuffie is a little bit of this. Not all of it, obviously. One player like him is not going to change everything. Um, something that needs to be fixed and something that I think will be fixed for the most part. I don't know if Wichita State is going to be a, a you know a through and through top five elite defense by the time we get to March. I think it's going to be more well-rounded. Um, I also think Marshall's got to be frustrated right now because he's loving that Oklahoma did this two for two deal and that they're going to play in the next three years. But he had to think he was going to get this win because at the time that it was scheduled, McDuffie wasn't hurt, Shamit wasn't hurt, and Trey Young might have been a dude that was getting you for 13 points and six assists instead of what he did today. Um, so now, a year from now, uh, he's going to have to go down to Oklahoma, and I would guess have to play where um, 
Chesapeake Energy Arena or wherever the Thunder play uh, and try and steal one there. And by that point, you could well have Shamit and McDuffie gone. Um, so just a little inside college basketball when coaches schedule these kind of things. Sometimes there's a general understanding, okay, I know we're going to be good this year. You're going to be good the next year. We'll just balance these kind of things out. Well, now this kind of got flipped on Marshall, and he's going to have a tough task next season overall. Um, but, yeah, Oklahoma, we're on the same page, certainly deserves to be ranked, and I would think we'll be ranked in the AP poll as well come Monday. And uh, for them to get that win, big-time statement. Um, I think it's it, I think it's probably the biggest statement of the weekend of the games we had that have happened as of us recording this podcast, even acknowledging, as you noted, that five ranked teams lost uh, for Oklahoma to get it the way they did, I think was pretty huge. Uh, worth noting, Wichita State does have a, a signed letter of intent from Alex Lomax, who is the point guard for the number one high school team in America, the East High Mustangs from Memphis, Tennessee, coached by Penny Hardaway. He's a you know borderline top one twenty five prospect. I don't know that he's the type of guy you want coming in and. Um, running your team as a freshman. He probably ought to be a backup point guard at the high major level um, as a true freshman, but he reminds me a lot of Fred Van Vliet in this way. Not the biggest dude, not the quickest dude, not the best at anything, but when you put other good players around him, he's just awesome. Like, he just runs your team and he wins. I mean, again, um, he is the point guard for the number one ranked high school team in America, and I know Wichita State sold him a little bit on – you are underrated uh, for all the same reasons that Fred Van Vliet was underrated coming out of high school. But what we noticed in Fred Van Vliet is that every time he, he played, he won. He just won. His team won. Every time. Every time your team plays, you win. Uh, you know, come be our next Fred Van Vliet. I'm paraphrasing, obviously, but I know that was at least uh, one of the recruiting uh, pitches. And so uh, Alex Lomax will be there uh, to, to, to at least handle the ball a little bit. And uh, I suspect since Greg Marshall never has a bad team – uh, he probably won't, no matter who leaves early uh, for the NBA draft. Let me tell you about SeatGeek, which is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to live events. That's what I've learned over the years. Think the SeatGeek seamless mobile experience that allows you to buy and sell tickets in just two taps. That's all it takes, two taps, Nordlander. Use the promo code COLLEGEBB. If you use the promo code COLLEGEBB, you can get $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. And that's not just to basketball games. I mean, that's to football games. That's to concerts. That's to anything you want to go to. If it's got tickets to it, you can get those tickets on SeatGeek. So go ahead and get that app on your phone. It's on my phone. Get it on your phone. And just remember, next time you're going to get tickets, you want to price tickets, uh, just go to the SeatGeek app. And uh, it's going to save you time. It's going to save you money. It saves you time because it search, it searches multiple ticket sites for you. So you don't have to do that anymore. It just, it'll search everything and find the best value, find the best seats. You know you're not getting ripped off. Everything is, is fully guaranteed. So next time I need tickets, that's what I'm using. Again, the SeatGeek app. Next time you you need tickets, you do the same thing. And make sure, remember, that co- promo code COLLEGEBB, COLLEGEBB, you get $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. That's SeatGeek, millions of tickets in one place. Norlander, of the other upsets of ranked teams by unranked teams, which one surprised you the most? And I know you saw one of them. Rutgers over Seton Hall, Indiana over Notre Dame, Oklahoma State over Florida State, Clemson over Florida. Clemson over Florida by far with a bullet. Um, I thought Florida was going to win that game by 15 points. Uh, I think Florida's a much better team than Clemson. Maybe I'm a little bit off on that. Uh, We'll give Clemson a lot of credit, Parrish, for getting that win. Uh, with Florida, let's let's just talk about them real quick here. Um, this is becoming one of the most vexing teams in college basketball. Um, 
maybe Clemson winds up better than I think they're, they're going to be. Um, they're a top 35 team in Ken Palm right now. Uh, they're looking good. Florida, I saw in person in Portland. Um, they absolutely dismembered Stanford, and that game could have been honestly 50 points uh, of a margin if Florida wanted it to be. Got a really good win and looked impressive in a very uh, well-played game against Gonzaga in double overtime and should have defeated Duke. It did not. Uh, it blew a 17-point half, uh, second half lead. Subsequently, dropped a game by 17 points on its home floor to Florida State, who has looked better than expected, but did just drop, uh, Florida State just dropped a game in Sunrise, Florida, to Oklahoma State, as you mentioned. Good on Mike Boynton in his first year at Oklahoma State to get, uh, to get his biggest win. Uh, in fact, a couple of first-year coaches, Boynton and Archie Miller, who we'll get to shortly, got the biggest wins of their careers at their new spots. Uh, Florida lost to Loyola Chicago. Um, who could be a top-two team in the Missouri Valley, but that was a home loss. Loyola went into the O-Dome, and then Clemson didn't even have to go into the O-Dome, and it manages to get the win. Uh, obviously, for full, for full transparency, I did not see Clemson's win. I just have uh, the score in front of me. It is, con- it is a little concerning for Florida, which is 6-4 and four now, and not only is it not tracking toward what it was offensively two weeks ago, defensively it's still not quite where it needs to be. And uh, the three-point shooting is coming back down to earth, which is what I suspected would be the case. If I am diagnosing what the issue is with Florida, I think the obvious uh, problem is that John Agbunu is still uh, not back and fully healthy and ready to go. They need him desperately to be uh, the SEC champion that I predicted this team to be. I also think Kavon Allen, who I expected to be a top 50 player in college basketball heading into the season, is now being overshadowed by Jalen Hudson, uh, Chris Chioza, and on some nights, Igor Kulichov, the fifth-year transfer previously at Rice, uh, who started his career at Arizona State. Kavon Allen needs to play like a better player than what he's been. Uh, he's not reliable from three-point range at all. Um, I, I don't think that he is uh, playing up to the level of point guard play that he should be playing at. Uh, Mike White's got some questions here that he's got to answer uh, heading into Christmas because the SEC is improved. Even though Saturday was an iffy day for the SEC overall, the teams in the league took some, uh, some spotty losses overall. Uh, the Gators should be better, and in my heart of hearts, I believe, are better than the 6-14. They've lost four of their last five. One of them was a three-point loss to Duke on a neutral. Nope, no issue there. You witnessed that one out in Portland. Uh, then they come home and lose to Florida State, get blown out by Florida State, frankly. Then uh, that home loss to Loyola Chicago, and now a semi-home loss to, to Clemson. Um, so obviously these are things are not good because three of those four losses were to teams that were unranked at the time the game was played. And Florida State could be unranked, uh, you know, come Monday. Might be unranked in the top 25 and one come tomorrow. And here's why. I've got them, like, right now in the top 12 or 13. I've got them pretty high. But sometimes these rankings are based on the impression you you make at the moment gets you to a certain place. And then as long as you don't lose, you just kind of stay at that place. But the circumstances change. Um, I was asked, I guess I did a, a hit with CBS Sports uh, earlier in the week and we were going through some of the uh, undefeated teams and they were asking me is this a contender or a pretender and with most of the undefeated teams to be clear we didn't talk about Georgetown which by the way took their first loss earlier uh, today to Syracuse in overtime like they got them to overtime so that was interesting but uh, when they got to Florida State I said maybe a pretender and here's why they weren't supposed to be a top 25 team you know they I think they, they got zero votes in the preseason AP uh, top 25 poll and then they go in and beat a Florida team 
by double digits that look tremendous. So you go, oh, wow, I know that Florida team's good. That Florida team is sitting here 5-1 and one with a lone loss by three points to Duke has already beaten Gonzaga. I know Florida's good. So if Florida State's undefeated and they get a win at Florida, my God, how good is Florida State? Maybe they're really good. But then what have we found out about Florida since then? Lost to Loyola, Chicago, lost to Clemson. Like they're not, they're not that good, which means maybe Florida State's win isn't that impressive. So I said maybe two days ago, I said I could see Florida State being a, 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 a pretender because their reputation right, right now is based on a win over Florida that looked great at the time but doesn't look great now. And so the least surprising, I know I asked you for most surprising uh, of, of the upsets today of ranked teams by unranked teams. To me, the least surprising uh, probably Florida State getting getting caught by Oklahoma State because I started to think differently about the Seminoles once I started to think differently about Florida because those two teams' reputations are are, are connected. Uh, Seton Hall, like they were the biggest favorite of these teams we're talking about. They were a nine point favorite at Rutgers. Interesting. Yeah, but okay. but we are learning. I mean, you go on the road and play a decent team in your league, like you're vulnerable. It happened to Duke at Boston College, and that was a little extreme because BC hit like 15 threes. But um, Seton Hall at Rutgers, I thought Seton Hall would win, but I did think Rutgers would cover. I put that in. Yeah. I put that in the picks on the side. Uh, so only true road game, right? Of the of a ranked teams that lost to unranked, that was I, the only true road game. Yeah, everything else was was technically on a neutral court, and so we've touched on all the other ones. Uh, let's touch on the one that had the the wildest ending. That was Indy over Indiana over Notre Dame. And if the question would have been presented to me, in other words, if I was just sitting here asking myself questions, what was the most surprising of these? I would have maybe gone Indiana over Notre Dame. I, I know Notre Dame was only like a six and a half, seven point favorite. And I know there's a lot of Indiana fans in that building. Uh, but I just thought those were two different caliber basketball teams. And yet it goes to overtime. And then Indiana, I'll let you walk people through it for folks who didn't see it, uh, just pulls out. I don't know if it's a miracle, but it was a pretty uncommon way to win a basketball game. Yeah, I led my column, which uh, for anyone uh, listening to this now, it's up at CBSSports.com. You know, Indiana had no business winning the game. Uh, just no, nowhere closer to have won the game. It, it was, uh, it had many more turnovers, uh, didn't have nearly as many steals. Now, it shot well, particularly in the second half, and that's part of why it happened. But it doesn't have the roster of Notre Dame. It's still trying to figure things out. It's a 5-5 five five team. Um, you know, Bonzi Colson played very, very well. In fact, him and Matt Farrell combined to play very well. Um you know, Notre Dame had an opportunity to win the game in regulation with uh, with two free throws by Austin Torres, who is not a good foul, shot, uh, foul shooter. In fact, has not made one yet this season. But even still, after Indiana misses uh, a foul shot in overtime with 11 seconds to go, Juwan Morgan, Bonzi Colson gets that rebound really 95% of the time, if not higher. But oddly enough, this time it doesn't happen. He's beat out by a junior no one could pick out of a lineup named Zach McRoberts who's given plenty of pounds and maybe a, maybe an inch, maybe not. They're about the same height to, to Bonzi. And it's McRoberts who gets the rebound. And then on this broken play, dishes to Morgan, who had the best game of his damn career, man. He he scored 16 straight points at one point for Indiana. He was he was awesome, man. Like I did not realize that Juwan Morgan, who I understand has been, has been stepping up this season, was capable of doing what he was doing. Uh, on on Saturday, and it, they, Indiana needed a few breaks to go its way, but Morgan made a lot of those breaks. And you know, my my big takeaway here is that 
you know, this is going to be a season, I predict, that Indiana will maybe squeak into the NIT. It's going to have uh, plenty more ups and downs. You know, it opened the season with a home loss to Indiana State. Um, I could totally see a situation like four years from now, five years from now, six years from now, Archie Miller wins a national championship with Indiana and thinks back to his first ever game when he lost, you know, the dreaded home loss to Indiana State and look how far he's come. Well, this win is the biggest win that he has in his young career. I think it's one that he'll always remember uh, because it's the first win over a team from, you know, inside Indiana's borders at the crossroads. Um, got a, 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 you know, just a non-conference win to really be proud of uh, because everything else right now is, you know, Arkansas State, Eastern Michigan, Howard, South Florida, the game's upcoming. And nothing too big, although I will say they play Fort Wayne on Monday, and that's uh, – that's the return game of the home-and-home. Home. Uh, the horror from last season when Fort Lane won that game on its home floor. Uh, still, endless credit forever to Tom Crean for scheduling that game. That was still a, a really awesome thing, although in retrospect, I'm sure uh, he had plenty of regrets. But yeah, I get you, GP, because my most surprising outcome was the way that Florida lost. Um, but I did think Notre Dame was going to win. Uh, you know, I spoke with Mike Bray on Friday night and just kind of casually, and he was... Very worried. And the reason why he was worried, he said, Archie Miller has a really good reputation for being a great scout. And this is his last major opponent outside of conference play. And he's going to know how to scout us. And if we're not on it, uh, he's going to probably have his guys up and be ready to play. And sure enough, um, they scouted Farrell well. I talked to Archie about this after the game tonight. Um, he was Even though Farrell got his... Uh, somewhat he was saying a lot of stuff you don't see man like he was not making the passes that he has normally been able to make earlier this season we were happy with the way that we shut down a lot of what he can do that makes that Notre Dame offense so well oiled and um it speaks to it speaks to how good of a coach Archie is this game is why you hire Archie Miller in the in the in the broad sense you hire Archie Miller to get you to final fours and win national championships but on an individual game basis yeah they had a few breaks go their way but he coached them very, very well in the second half, and they had just enough to get just the right breaks to win this game. Good win for Indiana. I don't know how often we'll talk about him on the podcast this season, but that was um, a fortuitous win. And for Notre Dame, uh, it, it's, it's going to cost them, I think, a seed line down the road because I don't think Indiana is going to be in the tournament. And losing this one on a neutral, I think, could, uh, could damage them just a little bit. I've always said that if you want to find out the coaches who really got the goods, talk to other coaches. Um, you know, uh, coaches, no coaches better than writers, no coaches, television analysts, no coaches, uh, unless the television analysts are also coaches, then you can talk to them. As well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, my point is Archie has a tremendous reputation among his peers. I mean, I think everybody knows he's good. I mean, that's why Indiana goes and gets him and pays this kind of money for him. You don't get the Indiana job unless you got some with, with I should say with with rare exception, you don't get the Indiana job. Uh, unless you've got the goods, but Archie's reputation among his peers um, as being a great basketball coach, like, you know, scouting you, in-game adjustments, all that stuff, uh, just running a program. I know the, the, the people who work for Archie, like, think very, very highly of him, and the people who have coached against Arch consistently, so those A-10 guys um, who were banging heads with him when he was at Dayton, they have a very high opinion of him, and so uh, I said it when... I, I think I was on a Indiana podcast earlier in this calendar year, and 
the host asked me a question. He said, if Archie Miller doesn't work out at Indiana, what would be the reason? And you know me, I got an answer for everything. And I, I just sort of set that for a second. I said, you know what? This is wild. I, I don't have an answer for you because I've never even considered that Archie Miller won't be great at Indiana. Like, I've never even thought of that, that that's even a possibility. And the reason is because I don't think it's a possibility. He might have a rough first year and maybe, a, a you know, a, a still trying to build it second year. But I would bet everything I own that Archie Miller is, you know, gets gets Indiana operating at the at the highest level of the sport uh, once again uh, because he's um, he's one of the great. I don't think you have to say young coaches in America. He's just one of the great basketball coaches in, uh, in you know, at the collegiate level. Uh, let's let's focus on Notre Dame for just a second. They've now got a, a loss to Ball State, which is 122 in Kempom. And we can think whatever we want to think about Indiana and Archie Miller. But, like, that, that roster shouldn't be beating uh, Notre Dame's mm-hmm. roster right now. And so you concerned at all about Notre Dame? I mean, this is a team that at one point was ranked, I think, in the top ten, maybe the top five. And um, they've got two very questionable losses on the resume already. And when you're when, when, when you're yeah. losing games like this, and then you got to go play an ACC schedule, I, I mean, know. yeah, that could yeah. be tough. It is, um, man. That Wichita State win is going to be so valuable because uh, hey, let, me, let, me, let me stop for a second. If anybody who watched that game, they got lucky to win that one. They were getting run yes. off the court. So like they, this, this eight and three could very easily be seven and four with yeah. with with zero good wins. Right, correct. It, it is uh, a non-conference uh, season saver, basically, because they got the unlucky hand of being dealt Shamanah to start that tournament, and when you get that game, it just it's just of no value. You know, you have to play it because it's part of the Maui Invitational, at least now on an every other year basis with Shamanah. But then they get LSU. Okay, I mean that's not a tournament team, and I did, you know, I did not see that Wichita State game because I had to go to bed at like freaking ten o'clock like an old man because I got up early to go to Portland the next morning, but. Um, a dramatic win, no doubt, and one that was huge. Uh, I am not worried about Notre Dame as it pertains to them like, okay, is this not a top 25 team? I think it still will be. It gets the benefit of Dartmouth and southeastern Louisiana for its next two home games. And then it's got a nine-day break before it gets Georgia Tech in South Bend, North Carolina State in South Bend. This should be a 12-3 and team uh, after that game. If it wants to put itself in a good position in terms of the ACC race, its next two games after that are at Syracuse, at Georgia Tech. Split those. I think you'll still be in pretty good shape before you get. And just, you know, I know I'm running down the schedule here, but just then they have UNC and Louisville and South Bend. I think Notre Dame's going to be okay. I think this is going to be a top 20 team. I still believe in their offense. I still believe in Bondi Colson and Matt Farrell. Um, perhaps they need a little more consistency around them, but I will not sell my Irish stock yet. Uh, before we get out of here, fun game scheduled for Sunday afternoon. It's number seven, North Carolina at number 20, Tennessee, Tennessee. Um, it's been overshadowed by Arizona state. You know, when the conversation focuses on biggest surprises in, in college basketball, because Arizona state's gone from being picked sixth in the preseason, uh, PAC 12 media poll to, to ranked, fifth in the AP poll, second in the top 25 and one, still undefeated with wins over Xavier and a win at Kansas. But Tennessee's a big surprise as well. Um, they have beaten Purdue. They only lost on the resume as a single-digit loss to Villanova, which is actually like impressive because basically uh, nobody else can play Villanova to single digits. Um, 
They're now top 25 at Ken Palm, so there's suggests there's some substance there. And this is a Tennessee team that was picked 13th, 13th in the preseason SEC poll. So Rick Barnes is... Uh, tapped into something here with this uh, his third team uh, in Knoxville. Do you you think the Tar Heels are on upset alert tomorrow? Ah, this is uh, certainly a game that wasn't circled on anyone's calendar outside those fan bases even two weeks ago. Yeah, this is this is really intriguing. Um, Tennessee's got a real shot here, GP. Um, I'm going to take UNC. I'm going to take them to win this game because I think that UNC is ultimately like a top 15 team. And I think Tennessee, uh, been, I think they're just not quite as good as, as maybe some people think they are. Um, I will eat a dish of crow uh, if Tennessee goes out and wins this game 78-71 and, and looks damn good doing it and is able to shut down North Carolina defensively. But I'll take UNC. Uh, give, me, give me the Tar Heels... Give me the Tar Heels, uh, 77-67. Nah, 77-69. And, uh, yes, the two-point difference. I'm that, I'm that invested in this game. Um, and, I, and I think that they will show out well specifically because of some big-time play from Luke May. I'm not convinced that Tennessee has uh, the right matchups there. They will have a massive home court advantage. I would think Thompson Bowling is going to be – uh, filled or close to filled on Sunday. And that's a huge arena, by the way. People don't, people that haven't been there don't realize how big that place is. Now they've 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 shrunk it a little bit, like over the past five or ten. I don't remember. They like they updated it, upgraded it to where they got fewer seats, but nicer things, more boxes. I think this is true. I might be making it up, but um, either way, when it is rocking, it's a legitimate like big time home court advantage. I've seen. Some really good teams losing that building. I was there when Bill Self had a number one ranked team once, uh, lost to Tennessee. I believe that was like on a Saturday or a Sunday afternoon. Um, so I, I've seen great teams, you know, top ten teams, number one teams losing that building, and uh, I won't be surprised if it if it happens again. I got gotcha, you, you know, with the the Cincinnati over UCLA pick in the last podcast. You did get me, yes. And so, if you don't mind, if you just give me a moment. I'd like to say I've got the Tennessee Vols Sunday afternoon. Straight Okay. I think UT. What was that? That was that was a. I wanted emphasis on it. I wanted to add emphasis. I think the Vols get an upset. I'm gonna go 77-76 UT Vols. Sounded like some sort of muzzled animal. (laughs) (laughs) I might be a muzzled animal. Maybe I am a muzzled animal. Man, we are. By the way, for anyone that was hoping that we would like save this uh, podcast for late Saturday in case something happens, uh, we had to get this done now. Uh, GP's got a Christmas party to go to. Um, I'm sure he'll he'll be loving that. I don't even want to go. I hate. I don't even like the people. I hope they don't listen to the podcast. By the way. <laughs> oh boy, over under point five people at this party that listen to the podcast. Do you realistically think anyone at this party listens to this podcast? Probably more radio show than podcast. But certain, okay. yeah, but but perhaps, perhaps we should maybe edit this out. But no, no, we should. I we should and we'll keep this in. And plus, you're gonna have already gone to the party and returned right. by the time they listen to this. Yeah, so you're good. Yeah, maybe I'm good. Whatever. I mean, that's the truth. I really don't like them that much. I mean, they're fine, but you know, they're not great. 
but they're yeah, fine. Yeah, that's more on you than them anyway, and they know that, so it, it's fine. Yeah, and it's probably my fault. Like, whatever distaste I have for them, it's probably uh, – it's probably – it, it says more about me than, than them. I'm, I'm sure that's – that's likely true. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Terry MF and Teagle. How was your shrimp cocktail at where at were you? St. Elmo. St. Elmo in Indianapolis. You sent me a picture. I was jealous. I love that place. Oh gosh, this stuff is uh, just a volcano lava spewing to the face, and it is tremendous. So you are, only I, for people yeah. who've never been. Oh, by the way, I love the Indianapolis airport. Because you can go to the other place. What's it called? Yeah, Harry, Harry and Izzy's, which I think they're owned by the same people and it's the same deal. No, they yeah. are. Yeah, Harry and Izzy's is just basically supposed to be more casual than St. Elmo. I think that's true. And in the airport, they've got a Harry and Izzy's or something. Yep. I, I think, that, And you can get that same string cocktail at the airport. And you can get the cocktail sauce at the airport. Now, it doesn't quite – they lie to you. That, that stuff they put in the bottle instead of the airport, it ain't the same stuff they use in the restaurant. But it's good. It's closed. Every time I'm in that airport, I get a bottle or like three or four bottles. Um, but uh, I try to – it's the one airport in America I try to get to early just so I can go get that shrimp cocktail before I get on my plane to, to go home. And it's so funny like when you're in the actual restaurant because you could tell people every time like, hey, have you ever had – because you get into this conversation. There's always at least one person at your table who hasn't been before and hasn't had the shrimp cocktail before. So you try to tell them about it. And you tell them how great it is. And they say, yeah, I'll try it. And you say, hey, be careful. Be, ready. be careful. Like, just take it slow because it's, like, legit going to burn you. They're like, I'm fine. Whatever. And they take a big bite. And it really does make your it, face. It's a delay, though. Yeah, it's, but it's, it's like, delay. three or four seconds. But it, like, makes your face hurt. Yes, it does. It doesn't, like, it, does. bur- it doesn't burn your throat or tongue. It makes your face hurt. It's so ridiculous. It's amazing. I love it. <laughs> I love it, too. So remember, uh, next time you're in Indianapolis, go get one. And also use the SeatGeek app as long as we're doing ads just randomly at the end of the podcast. <laughs> you can subscribe to the Ion College Basketball Podcast via iTunes. Please go do that. It makes a difference. We appreciate it. And when will we be back? It's Saturday night now. That is that is for the, the the gods to decide. The gods will determine. The gods and um and the airlines will determine when we speak again. But it'll be soon. We got to do three every week, so we can't wait and do them all on Saturday night. So uh, probably Monday, I would assume. But again, we'll figure it out. Don't hold us to anything. Uh, till till we're back, whenever that is. Please take care. <laughs>